there's a story about a, a, a guy who was traveling with his daughter. This is the first time she'd ever been on a, a train in her, in her life. So she's, as, as only a kid can do, is she's just blown away by everything that she's, she sees. So she's looking and she goes, Daddy, Daddy, look, 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 there's a horse. Daddy, Daddy, look, there's a barn. Daddy, look, look at there. There's a farmer out in his field. Daddy, there's a cornfield. Daddy, there's cows. And the dad, by, you know, the whole time is, is behind a paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And finally, he gets exasperated. And he probably gets a little embarrassed. And he looks around to everybody in the train and said, don't mind her. She's still at the age where she thinks everything's wonderful. And I thought, wow, you know, I mean, isn't it the great thing about kids? They think everything's Wonderful. They are wonderful. They are full of wonder. And, 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 you know, the person who was cutting my hair yesterday, she goes, where did we lose that? You know, where did, where did we lose our sense of wonder? How did we lose our sense of wonder? When did we lose our sense of wonder? What happened to make that happen in our, in our life? And it's really true, I think, as adults a lot of times. With kids, we had that sense of wonder, especially around Christmas, right? I mean, did you, you remember wondering, you know, how in the world reindeers, reindeer could fly? Remember wondering how, how one, uh, one reindeer could have a red nose and light up the whole sky? You ever wonder how, how one man could, you know, could have that many presents to around the world or, or fit into a, 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 a chimney or, or the, how, how snowmen could run around and talk and sing and everything like that? And where did we lose that? Because I really believe with Albert Einstein who said, if we don't pause to wonder, a person who's, who can't pause to wonder anymore, they're as good as dead. Right? And, and you think about it, with one thing I love to do at this time of year, or when I read the Bible, I love to, to wonder. I mean, this is where the Bible comes alive to me. As I open up the, the Word of God, I, I look in there and I'm, I love to put myself in their shoes, or in this case, I guess, their sandals, right? I love to put myself in there and go, what, what would I do if I was in their shoes? What were they thinking? What made them act and respond the way they did, good, bad, or, in, or indifferent? If I was in their shoes, what would I be thinking? What would I be doing? And I ask these two questions. Why did God put this story in his word? Of all the stories around, you know, that could ever could have happened, why these stories that he chose to put in there? And every time I open up the word of God, I try to think, okay, God, what do you want to tell me in this story? I wonder, what, what do you want to say to me that can I, I can apply to my life and where I live right now 2,000 years later? How can that apply to, uh, to me? And we're going to take a look. One thing I love about the Christmas story is it is full of people wondering. And we're going to take a look at some of those key characters today. And here's what I'm going to do. We're, we're, I'm going to wonder about what they're wondering about, okay? And this should be fun. So here it is. First one is Mary. And, and Mary, we have, we have record of her wondering about some things. Here it is, first one. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words, and she, don't miss this word, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will, uh, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never reign. Here's the second thing she wondered about. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a, a virgin? 
you know, you think she, she thought about and wondered about two things. First of all, what does it mean that I'm highly favored of God? What kind of greeting is this that this angel's given me? I mean, you'd be wondering the same thing if he appeared to you and said, asked, said those things. And the second thing she wondered about is, all right, how's this going down, right? How in the world, you know, she was young, probably between 14 and 18 years of age, and she was young, but she wasn't stupid. She knew how things happened. She knew the birds and the, and the bees. And this isn't how things happened, right? And she gives a statement of faith, not a statement of doubt. She didn't say, how will this happen? How can this happen? She said, how will this happen? I believe you, God. I believe that it's going to happen. But man, I'm wondering how you're going to pull this off because this is, this is not normally how things go about. Now, what I really wonder about is the things that happen after the angel left. I wonder what, when she was alone with her thoughts, I wonder what she wondered about. I wonder if she, when, it, when it finally occurred to be, to her, wow, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. I wonder how, what, how that went around. Because, I mean, this is what every young girl dreamed of from the time they were little, 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 little babies. They were dreamt about being the mother of the Messiah. Every Jewish girl did that. And now she's going to be that. I wonder what through it went through her mind. And I'll tell you what went, would go through my mind if I were her is this. How am I going to tell Joseph about this, right? How am I going to... Because what, I, what I'm going to ask him to do is believe something I wouldn't believe if the, if the, the roles were reversed. How am I going to ask, expect him to believe the impossible? And can you imagine, I wonder how many prayers went into that. I wonder how many sleepless nights tossing and turning. How am I going to say this? How am I going to tell him that I didn't cheat on him? How am I going to tell him I'm the girl that he thought I, uh, I was? How could I possibly tell him this? And then I wonder what she thought when he didn't believe her, which we find out he didn't. I wonder what she thought. I wonder, I wonder how lonely that night was, her, was for her. I wonder how many tears went into to, to there. I, I, wonder, I wonder if she prayed a prayer that maybe you and I have prayed and gone something like this. God, I said yes to you. I said yes. I said yes to what you wanted for my life. And now since I did that, things haven't been what I was expecting them to, to happen. I mean, my marriage fell apart. My, the, 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 everybody thinks I'm a harlot. Everybody thinks that I, I doubt I ever get married now because everybody, I've got this reputation. And this is saying yes to you, God. This is saying yes. Why? How in the world? Why did this happen? And maybe it's, you know, ask the, the question too or a, a prayer that says, God, please vindicate me. You know I didn't do anything wrong. And please, God, in the midst of this, you tell, tell her, him the truth. Let Joseph know what really took place. And maybe that's what she was going through. But then you also have, have Joseph, don't you? And here's what went about with him. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We've got one sentence there. One sentence that just we, it is so easy for us to read and go on, but imagine Joseph living in that. Imagine if you, we don't even have to imagine what he was going through, do we? Because if ever, for all of us who have ever been broke, heartbroken, you know what he was going through. For all of us who ever had a night that it seemed like it would never end and just that, that lonely feeling, you know what he was going through. You know what, if you've ever had your dreams just fall at, the, at your feet and just crushed in front of you, you know what he was feeling like and what he was going through. Now, one thing we know that he wondered about, he wondered what to do with Mary. He said this, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I think that's incredible that, that even though he's heartbroken, he's going to do what is best for Mary. 
And then it says this. I love this next part. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Okay, again, now this is two sentences, all it is, but can you imagine the joy that took place with that? Suddenly, Joseph gets, gets the, the, the in, insight into what exactly took place. Can you imagine now the joy in his heart? I wonder what he wondered about. And here's what I really wonder about. Okay, we know he's now in on the game, and now we also know that they get reconciled. I'm wondering what took place all in here, right? What, what took place here? I wonder how fast Joseph ran to Mary's house to let her know that he was in on the, the thing. I wonder, I wonder if he begged her forgiveness for not believing her. I wonder if he went, man, Mary, I'm so sorry. I will never not trust you again. I'm so sorry for disbelieving you. I wonder if he did that. I wonder how Mary responded. I wonder how many tears of joy were shared between them. I wonder how long that hug was. I wonder how, what they talked about now that they knew, that both of them knew the situation. I wonder to this, I wonder about on their way to, to Bethlehem and what happened in, in Bethlehem. I mean, because think about this. She was, she was nine months pregnant and had a, a 90-mile ride on a donkey, nine months pregnant. I wonder what was going through her mind as she was doing that. I wonder what was going through Joseph's mind as that was taking place. Here's what I really wonder, too. I wonder what happened in Bethlehem. Because probably Joseph came up and was looking for, for places to, to, for, his, for them to, to stay the night and for the baby to be born. And, and, and so can you imagine when you're wanting the best for your, your wife, you're wanting to, to put her in the best situation possible, and you have to come up to her and say, baby, I've got some bad news, some good news, and some bad news. The bad news is there is no place in this whole town for us to, to stay. The good news is this guy's had some mercy on us, and he's at least put us in the, the you know, the, but the bad news is it's a stable, okay? Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine having to say that? And can you imagine what Mary thought when, remember, a stable in those days wasn't it as, as today. It was most likely a cave that was hewn out of the, uh, out of the side of a, a, a hill or a, a mountain. That's what they were, that's what the stable was going to be. And can you imagine her walking in? smelling that pungent aroma of all those animals, seeing the animals all around and realizing this is where I'm going to have a baby. And there's no midwife that's going to be here to help me out. My teenage husband is going to help me deliver this baby. Now, imagine if you're Joseph going, I got to deliver this baby. I mean, talk about being over your head. He had to be completely over his head, especially also when you think about when suddenly it occurred to them the responsibility they were about to have. I mean, you know, it would be, I mean, any baby. I remember the first time we were going to have, have a child and thinking, oh, my goodness, I am responsible for a life in this world and the overwhelming responsibility of that. And this baby wasn't any baby. This baby was the baby, Right? This baby, this baby was God in human flesh. How would you like the responsibility of knowing you were going to raise the Messiah? You were going to raise God in human flesh. How would you feel about, uh, about that? And notice something. They blew it one time. At least one time, they completely, totally blew it as parents. Now, let me ask you this question. Those who are parents, grandparents, everything, how many of you, at least for a short time, lost your kid at one time or another? There you go. Isn't that good? God bless you. God sees those hands, everything. 
And, and there was a time I remember that happened with me. I think I shared this story before, but, but uh, we were going to my, my sister-in-law. I had three daughters. My sister-in-law had three daughters and uh, three kids, two, two, two girls and a, and a guy. And, and we were going to take them to a big event that was at Bank of America Stadium. So there were tens of thousands of people there. And we were there, and we huddle everybody together before we go down. And then we go down to the seats. And I'm there, and I look around, and my middle daughter, Cassie, is not there. And I'll tell you what I did not do. I did not go, five out of six, that's not bad. That's pretty good. I mean, I'll get you in the world, that'll get you in the, in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot if you're playing baseball right there. I mean, that's, I, I didn't think that. I absolutely tore as fast as my legs could go up to where we last were, and there she was, and I had the biggest hug in the world. But I cannot, I can even as I'm saying it right now, I can feel that emotion. I can feel that just terror in, in there. Well, that happened to them. So watch this, what happens. Every year, his parents, talking about Jesus, went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he, this is the only account that we have of Jesus as, uh, from the time he was a baby, from the time he was an adult. They went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their their company, they traveled on for a day. Now I'm going, maybe you're thinking the same thing. How do you lose Jesus? I mean, how do you miss that, right? How do you not know he's not with you, right? Well, here's the thing, that the, the, the ladies, they all traveled together in one herd, and the guys, when they're going from one place to the other, all traveled together in a different herd. And you think, you know, and so you had the, the men over here, the women over here, but Jesus is kind of a tweener, Right? I mean, he's not, and, and so, so probably what Mary was thinking is, oh, he's, he's old enough to be uh, with, the, with the men now, and she's, he's probably thinking, oh, he's probably with, he's still a kid, he's probably with, with Mary. And, and so, I mean, can you imagine, wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall when you had that conversation, when they finally realized that Jesus isn't with them? I thought you had him. Oh, I thought you had him. I didn't have him. You had him. You were supposed to. He's a kid. No, he's... And maybe one of them just snapped out of it and said, do you realize what happened? We've lost God, right? Imagine feeling that. Imagine going through that, uh, that emotion. And here's what, here's what happens. So the horrible realization. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Notice they had to go back to Jerusalem to look for him. This wasn't in a small town. This was in the capital. Can you imagine losing your child in Washington, D.C.? Now, here's what happens. The, ne- the next few words blow me away. After three days... Whoa. Okay, they have lost Jesus for three days. Can you imagine the emotion that they've been going through? Can you imagine the living hell that they've been going through for three days? It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, I wonder how she said this, son, why have you treated us like this? And then, then this is a sentence that is probably the understatement in the, the history of the galaxy, right? She said, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, here's the thing, too. Why did God, of all the things he could have ta- shown about with, with Jesus or, or Mary and Joseph, I'm sure they were fine parents besides, besides that. 
Why did he put that in his eternal word? Maybe, maybe, maybe so the rest of us who are parents, when we do doofus things, can maybe go, you know what, Mary and Joseph, they did something stupid too and it ended up okay and they were okay parents too and sometimes we can blow it as parents and still be okay. The Magi, all right? So here's the next thing. The Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Skip down to verse 9. After they had heard, this, the, heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the ch- star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. But they, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And I have so many questions here. I wonder, first of all, okay, they saw a star that was different from everything else. How did they know that was a sign? How did they know that was a sign that the Messiah, that the, that the King of the Jews had, had been born? And what made them decide? What was the conversation that took place to, to make them go, you know what, let's leave everything and let's go follow that, that star and find out about this, uh, this, this baby? You know, what, what in the world caused them to, uh, to do that? And how did they come up with the gifts they came up with? Because these gifts are weird, okay, that you give to a kid. I mean, they gave, they gave what three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is what you gave to a king. Incense is what you offered to God, and myrrh was basically the embalming fluid of the day. Now, can ima- imagine that. I mean, think of that. So what made them come up with those? But they're extremely symbolic, and they're perfect for Jesus, when you think about it, and because he was born not only king, but king of kings. He was God in human flesh, and he was born to die. He was put, took on human flesh so he could die for our, for our sins. And so you, you think about this too. The Bible says that they bowed, but the, the, the word in the Greek comes far more alive than just that they bowed, and it literally means they fell on their faces. And I had one Greek scholar that said the best way to translate this would literally be this, having fallen on their faces... They, they worship. Now, tradition tells us, we don't know in the Bible, it doesn't say how many, how many magi there were. We assume there were three based on the number of gifts. And also, tradition tells us that there were, that there were three. We also, tradition tells us that they were kings in their own right. Now, can you imagine these kings that they are, are now, can you imagine what it looked like to Mary and Joseph to have these kings bow down to their, to their young son? Imagine what that looked like. And I wonder if they ever caught the, the symbolism of what, their, what the, the gifts were. I wonder if they realized the gold was for him being a king and, and this was God in human flesh. And, and ladies, how would you like it if somebody gave you embalming fluid, basically, or formaldehyde? I mean, would you go, you know, I bet that's never been given at a baby shower you've ever been, been to. I bet they've never gone, oh, this is exactly what he needs. Thank you so much, formaldehyde. What baby doesn't need embalming fluid, you know? And so, so here you've got this going on as, um, as well. And then you've got also the shepherds. I wonder so much about them too. I wonder what they thought when the, when the whole hillside lit up, when the, when the brightest thing they'd ever seen in their life is a torch. I wonder what they thought of when not only one angel, but a whole multitude of angels start talking to them. I mean, the word is terrified in, uh, in, the, in the word of God. So, and I wonder what they thought of when they were, when they were running down 
and, and they were running to the, the manger. I wonder what, what they were talking about on their way. Did they talk at all? I wonder what happened when they, when they busted through the doors and, and then they saw the one that the angels had been talking about. And here's this little baby that just seems like a little baby, but they know that this is the, the savior of the world. This is the, this is the king of the universe in human, in human flesh. And I wonder if they thought this. I wonder if they wondered, why us? Because you think about it, shepherds were outcasts of society. Shepherds were the one that nobody gave any account to. Shepherds couldn't worship in the temple because they were always unclean. Shepherds could not, they were, their, their character was so suspect that they couldn't even testify in a court of law. And, and I wonder, as they're sitting there bowing before this baby, I wonder they're going, why in the world would God, of all the people he could have given the, the message to, why us? And let me ask this question. Why them? Why of all the people? Why not the, the religious leaders? Why not Herod the king? Why not all these others? Why in the world would he pick the lowest of the low to say this to? Why in the world of all the, of all the parents he could choose that he chose teenage peasants to, have, to be there? His, why a manger? I mean, wh- why not a palace? Why not a, why not a big house? Why not something nice? Why, why a feeding trough that you lay him in? Why in the world? Now, I don't know what that means to you. I know what that means to me because I couldn't, I couldn't relate to a God that was born in a palace. I couldn't relate to a God that was born with a silver spoon in his, in his mouth. I couldn't relate to a God that had everything when he came to the earth. But man, who can't relate? Who can't relate to a feeding trough with peasants, with the first people that come along are the down and outers of the whole society. I can relate to a God like that. And I'm telling you, if you ever wonder, when I, if I ever wonder whether, whether God loves me, all I have to do is look in the manger. Because that's saying, God loves me enough to become like me. God loves me enough to, to take on human flesh, to show me how to live, to be able to relate to me. That when I go through a trouble, he doesn't go, I have no idea what you're feeling. Sorry about that. He goes, I know exactly how you feel because I've been there and I've walked it. And he's, and he's came to earth also to take my place on a, uh, on a cross. You know, there's, uh, there's also one question that I know the answer to. Why God did this? Why did God, what was God thinking when he, when he sent his son to the earth? What was Jesus thinking when he, you know, did this? But I, you know, the thing is too that I'm thinking of all the people, of all the things. I think of the, the, the angels. Because here, this, this is what blows me apart more than, more than anything. What must they have been thinking? Because here's, here's the Bible. Here's what it says. It says this about Jesus. For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created by him. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or, or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. The angels knew this was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the author of salvation, the one who spoke everything into existence. And I wonder what went through their mind because we know that they think because we have a reference of that. We know that they celebrate. We know according to 1 Peter 1.12 that they also wonder just like you and I wonder. I wonder what they were wondering about when they saw the king of, of heaven who they worship taking on the form of a small child. That the one who said, let there be light now struggling to see in that light. That who created air, who created oxygen, who created lungs is now struggling to, to breathe for the, for the first time. I wonder what they were thinking. 
I especially wonder what they were thinking 33 years later when this, the, the one who, who was the king of everything, that he's being allowing himself to be beaten and nailed to a cross. And every single angel in heaven had their hand on their sword, ready to come to his rescue and ready to wipe out anybody who was hurting him. And they were called to, called to stand down. I wonder what was going through their mind of how in the world, what is this going to do? Why is he doing this? But you and I know why he was doing this. You and I know what he was thinking about when he was born and when he hung on a cross. He was thinking about you. And he was thinking about me. That's why he was willing to go through this. And if we could bow our head and close our eyes. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online right now. And there's something that you have always wondered about. You've always wondered, what would it be like to have my sins forgiven? What would it be like to have a brand new start? What would it be like to have a new chapter in the book? And really, a brand new book. What would it be like to be a son or a daughter of God? What would it be like to be restored to the God who created me? What would it be like to have that, that relationship that's not just something about God, but I know him personally because he's in my heart? What would it be like to have God in my life and in my heart? So I'm going to give you a chance to, to pray a prayer along with, if everybody else could pray this prayer along with them to help them out. If you pray this prayer sincerely from your heart, the Bible says, those who receive him, to those he gives the right to become children of God. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So say this prayer out loud and everybody, if we can all do this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for becoming a human being. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need saving. Thank you for dying for my sins. I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I give you the steering wheel of my life. And I ask you to come on the throne. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a new beginning for you that God has, that this isn't the start. I mean, the end, this is the start of a whole new relationship with him. And for everybody else, if we could just bow our head as well. And maybe you just want to take the moment to do what Mary did, it says in the Bible, that she pondered. She wondered about all these things and treasured them in her heart. And maybe in the midst of all the hullabaloo, all the, the, the craziness of this holiday season, that we take this moment right now and we wonder. And we wonder and just take the moment to bask and think about God's love for you that was willing to do this. That you think and consider how much God really must love you. How merciful God is. How good he is. How full of grace he is. How full of love he is. And maybe you just want to take the time to just say, thank you, God, that you were willing to do whatever it took to reach me. Thank you, God. I don't understand it. I, I do not understand how the king of glory would leave heaven to become a human being, to save us who have turned our back on you in every way and sometimes spit in your face and sometimes lived a life totally contrary to what you want. I don't understand that kind of love, God. 
but I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for your mercy and your grace. And I'm thankful, God, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for the new beginnings that you offer. So Jesus, we say happy birthday and thank you. And all God's people said, amen.